Colossians 1, starting with um, um, verse 3, it says, and these are not my reading glasses, so I'm going to have to put this up here a little bit closer. Um, <laughs> we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of good news, truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the confidence and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Lord, we pray that you would use this time to speak to our hearts corporately and individually in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, um, this has been, um, been an interesting week for me, and um, I've had a lot going on, and Frank and I are in the midst of, of moving, and and, and I don't know who my worst enemy is, but I would not wish moving upon them. And um, I've been trying to connect dots and keep dots connected through, uh, you know, in, in, my, in my businesses. And um, then I'm, you know, uh, the pastor called me, I think, Monday or Tuesday and asked me to... Uh, to uh, bring the word this morning, and I knew all the craziness of the week was going on, and, and I agreed to do that, and so that's kept me, uh, you know, on my toes all week thinking about what do I talk about, what do I, I uh, teach on, and then uh, worrying about my Sooners uh, and <laughs> hoping that we would get us a win yesterday, and so, uh, and then I took a, 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 a tiny bit of a setback because Oklahoma State, I was hoping they'd beat TCU and they lost. But LSU won, and I know, I know the pastor was happy, happy about that. But, um, 
I used to live on um, watching current affairs shows. And, and as you all have heard me say, that if you watch 30 minutes of e I mean, uh, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, I would ask you to give Little House on the Prairie or Andy Griffith equal time and watch 30 minutes of those shows as well. And I've kind of gotten to where I, Maverick, don't watch as much sports commentary because it's, it's all about people's opinions. I mean, and, and, it's, and, and it's almost, you know, people that have never played a down in their lives, they are experts on what Coach Venables or Coach Gundy should have done. And so, so I resisted it all week, and, and I finally, after about five days, I thought, well, it's probably settled down a little bit. I'll listen to a sports show here in Oklahoma, and I listened to it and got about seven minutes and was just steaming. I, mean, I was turning red. I mean, that, that's, that's how upset I was. And so anyway, um, I, I, I thought about the story that I'd heard about these two farmers, a positive and a negative farmer. And, and, and the positive farmer, he said, man, they got rain. And he said, man, great rain it's going to water our, our roots and the negative farmer said no all this rain is going to it's going to drown and, and and kill our roots the positive farmer man the sun came out and the positive farmer said oh man great sunshine it will give nutrition and vitamins and nourishment to 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 our to our to our crops and negative farmer said no i'm going to burn the crops up so they went hunting together so positive farmer he shot a duck and he told the negative farmer, he said, watch this. Dog jumped on that water and ran on top of the water, picked up the duck, ran back on top of the water. And the negative farmer said, just as I thought, the dog can't even swim. <laughs> that, that's kind of how many sports fans are. <laughs> They're going to find something negative in everything that happens. And so that's why I don't watch many sports shows. I uh, just, you know, thought I don't need that. I'm too happy of a guy. I don't, I don't have to listen to it. It's, it's their opinion. But anyway, we're going to talk about seven characteristics of, uh, of a church today. And, and, and as we go through this process, I want you to think about, you know, do I see this not just in my church, but do I see this in my own life, in my life as an individual? And all churches, and I've had the great privilege over the last 45, 50, probably 45 years to, to speak all over the country, all over the world, actually, in, in different churches, and, and so I kind of, you kind of pick up on the reputation of the church before you go there and you talk to people about it. And, and it's interesting, and by the way, you guys this morning, you are, you, are, you are watching history. Pat, this is the third time in my ministry that I've been in a pulpit without a tie. And, and old habits die hard. And, and uh, so I, I'm, I don't have on a tie this morning. And that was also on my mind this morning, this week, trying to figure out, okay, do I wear a tie? Do I not wear a tie? That's, it, it's insignificant. Don't worry about that. But anyway, all churches have a reputation. My father pastored a church called Four Mile Branch Baptist Church in rural, rural Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, and it was, it, it was known for its location. All churches have a, I mean, some churches have a reputation for worship. 
Some churches have a reputation for great music. Josh pointed out, I love uh, listening to our praise team and, and, and our musicians and, and, and the people that sing and present a music ministry to us to kind of prepare the soil before the pastor gets up to speak. Some churches have a reputation for architecture. If you ever go to Washington, D.C., you've got to visit the National, uh, National Cathedral. The, the architecture, it, it is stunning. I've been there several times for funerals and for different things that uh, Washington was celebrating. It will always be, if you, ever, ever, if you ever find a national dignitary that has passed away and he's from Washington, he or she, they're from Washington, they will usually have his or her funeral at the National Cathedral. It has just stunning architecture. Some churches have a uh, reputation for great fellowship. Some churches have a reputation uh, for, for great preaching. And I listen to a lot of preachers, a lot of ministers on, on TV, and, 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 and I love their teaching. I love the teaching of, of, of our pastor. And I think that's one of the things that kind of identifies or, 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 or kind of but earmarks us is, is the teaching and the preaching that we get on a weekly basis here at Quest Church. And to be honest with you, some churches have a reputation that's not so good at times. We've, we've seen that. We, we, we've heard that. But, but the Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Colossae, and he would write about the wonderful reputation they had. He, he identified seven characteristics, seven pillars that make up a great church, but of course we all know that a church is only as great as Christ is great in that church. Every church is going to be known for something, and with this, is, with this in mind, I want us to look at the word from Colossians. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts individually and, 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 and think through these characteristics corporately and I hope that God will improve in our lives and, and, and corporately improve the life of the body. And, 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 you know, the first characteristic is compelling faith. A compelling faith. You know, this should be the pillar of every congregation and, and, and of every life. And how does a church or an individual become an individual, a church of compelling faith? Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, of, hearing the word of God. Every word in the Bible, I believe, is true. I believe from Genesis to Revelation, I believe it is the inerrant word of God. And think about this. If there's something, if there's two words, if there's one word in Scripture that is not accurate or, or that is not true, what basis for faith do we have? We have no basis for faith if God's word is not true. We have none. And so, you know, if you have a compelling faith, you have to be in God's word, corporately and individually, we have to study God's word. We have to know his God, know God's word. We have to know his promises. And if we don't know his promises, you can't stand on them. That's why study is imperative. We must be in God's word. Study is imperative if we are going to build that strength in our lives, faith in Jesus Christ. Paul said, even though others come to the church of Colossae with a strange doctrine, because you have a compelling faith based on God's word, you're able to identify that doctrine and say, that's not true. 
And friends, God honors that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, even if God does not come through, we know who he is. We know what he is. We are standing on his promises, and you can put us in the fiery furnace and turn it up as hot as you want to turn it up. We're still not going to honor your doctrine. God honored that in their lives. Some would say, and I've had I don't want to say debates. I've had discussions with people from time to time about what we believe because they have said to me, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. I, I take exception to that. If, 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 if one believes that, they're in a world of trouble. If they believe that, in spite of what they're thinking, they have no hope. And when the times get difficult, that's when they find out you've been standing on a weak or a false doctrine. It makes all the difference what we believe. And if what, what you and I believe is contrary to the word of God, then we have no hope. Remember this. I have had discussions with people and, and, and they were as sincere as sincere could be. And, and I would say, they said, and we're sincere about this. And I said, yeah, you're sincere, but you're sincerely wrong. <laughs> Truth is not based on sincerity. Truth is based on truth. Two plus two equals four. You can be as sincere as you want to be in saying that two plus two is seven. You can be as sincere as you want to be. It's wrong. So, I, it really does matter what we believe. God's word is our foundation for our faith. And Paul makes it clear why the church has such faith in, 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 in Jesus Christ. Because of the truth of God's word. Paul says, I want to tell you about this pillar, this pillar called Jesus. He's our sustainer, our faith in Jesus Christ, the very center of everything we do as a church and as an individual should, we, should be based and centered and revolved around Christ. Everything. From where I have, uh, where I've sat in the political arena, I see man wanting to be worshipped and wanting to be the gatekeeper. And I also see people in America putting their hope in man. And friends, I'm telling you, you put your faith in man or woman, inevitably you're going to be disappointed. I don't care if it's J.C. Watts. I don't care who it is. You inevitably are going to be disappointed. <clears throat> Not Christ. I'm human, I want to be liked just like the next guy. You're human, you want to be liked just like the next person. We want to be loved ju just like the, the next person. Our pastor is human, uh, j just like you. He wants to be loved, uh, but, but he doesn't want to be worshipped. And I don't want to be worshipped. You don't want to be worshipped. We often look to individuals rather than having a faith rooted solely in Jesus Christ. Love your pastor. Love the person that he's got preaching to you today. Love your fellow man. Love, love your neighbor. But the body of Christ, if it's to be all God wants it to be, we don't need cults where man is king. We don't need political parties where man is king. We need churches where Jesus is Lord. 
So the first characteristic is a compelling faith. Second characteristic is a compassionate love. Second part of verse, um, verse 4 says, and, and the love you have for all the people, for all the saints. Christian love is inclusive. It's not exclusive. Friends, I, I have seen some people in, in my ministry over the last 35, 40 years, I've seen some people in ministry who, who just had that, that in, in, innate capability to minister to the worst of these, to, to minister to that, that person that you and I would just, just have no, no, nothing to do with them, wouldn't want to have anything to do with them. I, I think I, I so appreciate our hugs ministry. I mean, that, that, is, that is tough ministry. I mean, you don't know who you're approaching. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know what the mental health issues is. You don't know any of that. It is just a compassionate love to say, these people are important to our God. And God would have me go into the streets and take clothes and take food and, and, and try to get them health care and try to get them nourishment. And hopefully they will see God through what I'm doing for them. I mean, God, I, I don't know of anybody, in spite of their skin color, in spite of their sin, in spite of their past, in spite of their mistakes, in spite of the bad choices, I don't know anybody that God has ever excluded. Now, I have tried to figure out, and I say, God, I know you're going to exclude them. I, I, I know you don't care about them. Lord, you know how ugly they've been. Lord, you know what they said about us. You, Lord, you know what they did to Christians. But I've, I've never been able to make it stick. Never been able to make it stick. God's love is inclusive. It's not Exclusive, And we often confuse God's love with, with, with man's love because man says, I love you when you do good things. I, I don't love you when you make bad choices. I love you when you vote. I, I had a fellow that uh, said, said to me once, I was in a town meeting, and he told me, he said, I will start to pray for you again because you voted such and such way. What he was saying to me, I didn't love you so much when you voted that way, but now you voted for this over here, so I'll start praying for you again. You know, I, I, that Frankie was telling me that um, she's got a friend that told her that I'm, I'm careful who I have pray for me. Yeah, I, 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 want, I want the right people with the right heart praying for me. And I want to say to that gentleman, I said, y your prayers never got any higher than the ceiling anyway. But again, friends, God's love is inclusive. It's not exclusive. It's the kind of love that says, I know you're a sinner, the sin that took me to the cross. I love you anyway, unconditionally. Unconditionally. 
We have people, a, 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 a congregation, a, 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 a group the, the size of this, uh, this crowd this morning, um, uh, uh, congregations all over the church, they will have people in their church on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. They will never come to the altar. They will never go to Pat or Michelle or, or Carrie or, or anybody or the pastor or Josh or the staff. They'll never come to them for prayer. They'll never ask for forgiveness because they think, and I've heard people say this, I just don't see how God can forgive me. For what I've done, I just don't see how God can forgive me. Man, those are the kind of people God loves to put his arms around and say, I know what you've done. I know the mistakes that you made. I know the bad choices that you made. I allowed my son to die for you just like he died for everybody else. Unconditional love. Some churches, I so appreciate Quest Church. And, you know, I, I often say when Frankie and I were looking for a church home, I said, Lord, I don't want a church that looks like me. I don't want a church that looks like Josh Reyes. I don't want a church that looks like Pat Murphy. I don't want a church that looks like Carrie Austin. I want to find a church that looks like heaven. That looks like, that looks like heaven. And, 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 and you know, some, some, some churches, we, here at Quest Church, we fish with the lure. I mean, we fish with the net. You know, we like to eat catfish, we eat bass, we eat tuna, we 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 eat salmon, we we eat whatever the net, whatever ends up in the net, we eat it. And that's why we have a church that looks like heaven. You're gonna see people that look like me in heaven. I'm gonna see people that look like you in heaven. I'm gonna see men and women and boys and girls and and and, and, and heaven's gonna look like a united nation. Because it's going to be so diverse. I so appreciate that about Quest Church. But you know what? Some people like to fish with the lure. They like to catch a certain kind of fish. That's okay. That, that, that's fine. You know, that, that, that's their cup of tea. However, the thing that should drive what we do and how we fish is a compassionate love for the individual. A compassionate love for the individual. Third, third uh, characteristic is a confident hope. In verse 5, what, what do you think of when, when, when I say hope? What, we would have different definitions about what we think of when we, when we ask, what, you, what do you think of when, when we, you mention hope? In terms of the world, the world says when they hear hope, they mean desire without expectation. They, it, 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 to them, it means excitement without anticipation. This is what the world means when they say, I hope this happens. Desire, but no expectation. I want it, but I don't expect it. That's what the world means when they say hope here in verse 5 means absolute confidence in the future. 
absolute confidence in the future. I, 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 remember, I remember September 11th, uh, 2001, I had spoken to the National Automobile Dealers Association that morning at a breakfast, and I came in and I hit my office at about 9.02, 9.05, and, and, and my legislative director said, oh my God, they hit the state, they, they, they flew into a second building. And I ran in my office, I turned the TV on right quick, and we were getting bombarded, we were getting attacked, and they said the Pentagon had, had been hit, and, and, and then they said uh, two towers in, in uh, New York City had, had been hit, and you know, probably about 45 minutes, an hour and a half later, we were in some bunker in Washington, D.C., because I was a part of the leadership with the, the Republican and Democrat leadership. We were all together in this bunker, and we were seeing, they were trying to navigate President Bush into Washington, and they took him from, from, from one Air Force base to another Air Force base and another Air Force base. They didn't want him, have a, 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 didn't want him to have a straight shot into Washington, so they, they touched him down in different locations. We had no clue what was going on. And I'll never forget, had a prayer, had a word of prayer with my staff, and I said, hey, you guys need to go home, go to your families. We don't know what's going on. And I remember after we had a word of prayer, I said to my staff director, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I, I know God's going to navigate us through this. I, I, I know we're, we're going to be okay through this. I had a, 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 a hope, a confidence that my hope was based in the truth of God's word. I, I, I knew we were going to make it through that. We were, we, we were going to survive that. My dad passed away in October of 2000. And I got to visit with him about three weeks before he passed away. His body was eaten up with, 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 with cancer. And, 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 and I remember my father saying to me, he said, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. It wasn't, I hope I'm going there. He said, I know, a confident hope, I know where I'm going. That's the kind of hope that a pillar, that, that, that is a pillar in the body of Christ. Uh, uh, in, in Psalms 27, 13, David said, in his tough times, David said, I quote, I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Confident hope. Fourth characteristic is changed lives. Is my life different? Is your life different? Paul explains that a changed life is going to bear fruit. And here's how you find out if, the character, if this characteristic is, 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 is in our lives, in your life. Are we regularly bearing good fruit? Now, th there are occasions that there are occasions that because of sin in life, that 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 this side of this side of heaven, we're always going to have some bad fruit pop up. But it, it it's not the norm. The, the the norm is in the Christian life that that we are constantly bearing fruit, and it's not what we do, but it's the grace of God in us that bears 
good fruit. So ask yourself the question, do I regularly bear good fruit? I, the, the, the fifth characteristic is committed leaders. Now, when, when I say committed leaders, I suspect for many people in, in a church, the thing that pops up is the pastor and the staff. But in, in the Christian community, our mission is to make as many people um, like, like, the, like the believers in the church disciple people so they can do what the pastor and what the staff does. Josh mentioned the Christmas, the Christmas program. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I heard a story about a guy that was singing a song and, and um, he, 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 um, he, this guy got up and he was singing a song and, and um, he, you know, thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm in Kentucky, so I'll sing my old Kentucky home. So he got up and he sung my old Kentucky home and he just butchered it. And the poor fellow on the front row, he was crying. And afterwards he went up to him and said, sir, he said, I noticed when I was singing that song, he said, you, you were crying. He said, I'm, he said, I must have really moved you. He said, did you appreciate my song? He said, no, I'm from Kentucky. Man, he butchered the song so bad he had him crying and he thought he was a, he was a good singer. So... So he, he, he mentioned, <laughs> Josh mentioned being a part of the Christmas program, the Christmas choir. Let me tell you something. It, it when sometimes when, when, when I was, when, 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 when I was in, in Congress and we were, we were doing a press conference, it was always my job to organize the press conferences and tell the American people what we were doing, how we were doing it, and why we were doing it. And, and, and I, I wanted, I, sometimes my, 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 my colleagues wanted me to speak, but I said, no, it, it, it's not important that, that I speak. It's important that people see my face in the camera and that people that look like me and people that look like Michelle and, and, and people that look like Jackie and Joe and, and Johnny and, and, and Hernando, it's, it's important that people see my face in the camera so they can relate to that. And sometimes, man, it, it, it is a witness just for you to be in the choir and you to be moving your lips. Even if you can't sing, it's a ministry for you to show up. Because people say, well, man, Everett showed up for the choir. Joe says, well, maybe I can show up. Maybe I should get in the choir. It is a witness when you volunteer to be a part of the Christmas program. Now, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. <laughs> Committed leaders. If we're going to be a strong church in this community, in this state, in our nation, our pastor in Quest Church, I hope you recognize how broad the reach of this church has been over the last four or five years. I was in Collinsville, Oklahoma. I did a men's conference, as I mentioned to you. Then I preached at the church uh, uh, the, the, next, the next Sunday morning. They had another preacher there that was, he caught my attention because he said he was kind of a, a rodeo guy. 
and he was a roper. And I said, my pastor ropes. And, and I said, as a matter of fact, some, my pastor's crazy about horses. I said, the only, one, one, of the, one of the times that I've seen him being the most emotional was when he was talking about his dogs and his horses. I said, so he, he, is a, he is a horse guy. He loves his horses. And he said, who's your pastor? And I said, Rick Hawkins. He said, oh, yeah, I know Rick. He said, I've got one of his horses now. Wow. I, th this guy, we came together at this conference, and Rick Hawkins and Quest Church was the he, – he found out that I worshiped at Quest Church I, I probably could have had him give me a horse. <laughs> I mean, if I'd have known that, I'd have played the Rick, Rick Hawkins card a whole lot sooner. <laughs> but, friends, we have a reach. And if we are to be all that God wants us to be in this community, in this state, in this nation, when I say committed leaders, I don't just mean Gino and Jamie and our music team. And I don't just mean our, our pastor and our staff and, 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 and Josh and all the people, the 12, 14 people that, 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 that administers things around. I'm not just talking about them. I'm talking about me too. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about us. You know, if, if it's just showing up for church when the doors of the church is open. I mean, and, and sometimes I know how it can be getting up on Sunday morning. It is a whole lot easier to watch church uh, 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 virtually in your pajamas with a cup of coffee, with a sausage biscuit from McDonald's, with cheese and egg. It is much easier to do it from home. It's much easier to do it from home. But friends, if we're to be the church that God wants us to be and blow this thing out, sometimes we don't feel like coming to church. And as I heard, a, heard an old sister say, uh, she said, you know, I, I went to church. She said, I didn't feel like going. And she said, sometimes I'll go. And she said, I just have to honk the horn and say, Brother Kerry, come get me. But she says, I go. I go because I'm not going to forsake the, the assembling of the saints. COVID has done something. Man, Satan wins when, when, when we don't show up. Satan wins. And sometimes we say we don't win. I'm not going to go because I don't like the, who they've got guest preacher. I, or we don't go because I don't like the preacher. Some, sometimes the preacher says, I don't want to go because I don't like the people. <laughs> but friends, we don't have that here at Quest Church. We don't have, and, and when we say, I'm not going to go, you know what? Sometimes we say we're not going to go out of rebellion or protest. That's not protest, that's surrender. Friends, we need to be in God's house, hearing God's word. You know, I, it, 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 it is just nothing like, as Josh says, being in, in God's house. John Maxwell said, almost everything falls and rises on leadership.
And there's two characteristics in a committed leader. In looking at the life of Epaphras. One, faithfulness, am I faithful? Two, servanthood, am I a servant in the body of Christ? I, Josh mentioned this, 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 it's a football life that I'm going to do um, 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 a Q group. That's kind of a tongue twister, a, a Q group, life group. Um, I'm going to do a life group. <laughs> God spoke to my heart a year and a half ago about doing a life group. I surrendered two weeks, three weeks ago. God put on my heart a year and a half ago. I surrendered to it three weeks. I made every excuse imaginable. I'm too busy. I've got a new project. Lord, I, 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 I travel. I don't know. And, and when I called and, 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 and talked to uh, uh, Josh about it, he knocked down every excuse. I didn't give him, but every excuse that I had had, he knocked down in his conversation with me. It was just confirmation. Confirmation that I was to do what God called me to do a year and a half ago. Now, I may not have but two men show up, but if you got food, I'm going to have four guys there. Guys travel on the stomach. But anyway, as a believer, do my, does, my, does my life demonstrate servitude? And am I faithful? You learned about commitment from Epaphras. What are people learning from, from watching me? What are people learning from watching you? What are people learning by watching our church? Quest Church. Committed leaders, discipleship, discipling people to be leaders, to where they will go from discipleship to being an apostle. When you are a disciple, you are being taught. When you're an apostle, you are, you are teaching. That's when you really, really start to take off. All the cute life groups. Thank you. All the life groups out there that you saw, it's about teaching. Marriage rocks. A football life. Um, you know, I, 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 I used to do this, this, this keto thing, um, and I just butchered it. And then I got under someone that taught it, Michelle. And that's when, you know, I thought, man, I did all the wrong that one donut I had, I shouldn't have had that. I kind of compromised and thought, well, I, no, I shouldn't have done. But when you've got someone teaching, teaching you how to do life better through Scripture, friends, that's important. That's important. So, again, join in the, the life groups and, um, and grow and grow. Prayer. Six characteristic is constant prayer. Friends, let me tell you something. You see these things? They're called knees. It's the greatest asset we have in the Christian faith. 
Stand our, staying on our knees before a true and living God. And, 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 and in verse 9 and 11, it, it, it talks about Paul did not quit praying for the church. He asked God to grant them the knowledge of his will uh, through, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He knew this, this thing called prayer would affect their lifestyle. He knew patience and endurance would mark, this, would mark their church as a church that could be counted on. So he said, there has to be a pillar of prayer. Has to be a pillar of prayer. Friends, rather than spending 15 minutes on the Internet, spend 15 minutes in prayer. Praying for your family, praying for your children, praying for your grandchildren, you know, pr- praying, for our, praying for our church, praying for, for our leadership in the church, p- praying for the life groups, 15 minutes in, in, in prayer. And, and, and you've heard me say it before because I said it the last time I was standing before you up here. I said, you don't have to be in your prayer closet to pray. If you drive on today's streets, you ought to be praying. When people walk driving down the street looking at their email and putting on makeup, and you, you need to be praying when you're driving. When you go to a restaurant to eat, you don't know what's going on in the kitchen. You need to pray for your food. We don't have to be in the prayer closet to pray. Every person that's a member of our church should be in prayer every day, every week. Men ought to be in prayer for their families, for our nation, um, um, for, for our church. Moms, you ought to be in prayer for your kids, for your, for your family, for your church. Again, Paul knew that prayer had to be a characteristic in our personal lives and our church. Little fellow went to his dad and he said, Dad, he said, I'd like to have a little brother. Dad said, well, you ought to pray about it. So a little boy prayed one month, never happened, nothing happened. Prayed the second month, nothing happened. Prayed the third month, nothing happened. So he quit praying. Six months later, dad took the little fellow to the hospital, pulled the curtain back, had one baby brother. Pulled the curtain back further, had a second baby brother. Pulled the curtain back a little further, had a third baby brother. Dad said, now... Aren't you glad you prayed? He said, yes, but aren't you glad I quit after three months? <laughs> but, but, you know, that, that's kind of how we, how we do it. We pray and we pray and then we stop. We, 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 we don't see any, any results and we stop. Friends, we, we, we don't know. We, we don't have enough wisdom to know what God's doing behind the scene and how he's kept connecting the dots. That, that, that's how we handle it. You know, Ephesians, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many of us are familiar with that? Okay. Okay. Now, I don't want to see a show of hands, but I do want you to be honest. I want you to be honest. You're in church. Don't secretly punch your old Celie and ask her, Siri, and ask her. <laughs> don't, don't, you, don't you ask Siri, okay, what's the second half? What's the second, what's the second part? 
of, uh, of Ephesians 3.20. Don't, don't do that. I want you to be honest. I don't want you to show hands, but how many of you know the second part of that verse? Okay. The second part of that verse says, according to the power that works in us. According to the power that, that, that works in us. Does God have all power? Yes, he, he, he does. Is God able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think? Is he? Yes. Now, now, now that's, that scripture is, is amazing to me. It's stunning to me. Because it says God is able to do all. That would be good enough. All, what is all? All is all. But he says God is able to do above all. And then the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't work either. He said, abundantly above all. And then he said, no, 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 no. That, that's not good enough either. He said, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. That, that alone should put us on our knees every day praying. God is able. This last phrase tells us according to the power in us. According, if, 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 you, look, if, you, if you look that up, you, you'll find many, many words and define according. You, you conclude that it's a measurement. It, 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 it's some, some definition says it's about distribution. And so if God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, why isn't he in my circumstances? In your circumstances, in your marriage, in your health, with your kids, with your grandkids, in, 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 in your business, why, why, with my career, why isn't he? Because I believe we're not measuring out the power that God has deposited in us. God gives us his power. And we have to measure it out. And, and, and the more we pray for our kids and for our business, for our marriage, for the things, for our circumstances, the more we measure out God's power. And, 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 and friends, I believe God's unlimited power. God has unlimited power. I believe God's unlimited power can be limited by my prayers. Think about that. God's unlimited powers. God's done his part. God, Christ isn't going to die again. That ain't going to happen again. He rose once. It is not going to happen again. He's, he's done his part. And God's power is deposited in us. And according measurement, distribution, we measure it out. We measure it out. Growing up, I lived in a, in a, in a house that um, it, it seemed like, and, and you got to be 
have gray hairs and no hairs to remember what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> 55 years or older probably. But we used to have those open flame stoves in the bedroom and in the front room and you'd have to turn the gas on and put the match on it and like, surprised we didn't blow up every house in the neighborhood. <laughs> but, but I remember that from my childhood and I remember in the winter months, going to, 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 the, to the bathroom in the morning to wash your face and turn on the faucet, the hot water, and that cold water would come out. And it seemed like it would take forever for that cold water to turn hot. And I'd just say, okay, cold water, I don't have time to wait. Turn it off, wash my face with the cold water, and go on about my business. That's exactly how we see prayer often. We turn that hot water faucet on and it's cold and it's cold and it's cold, not knowing if we'll just stay there, be patient and endure, it's eventually going to turn hot. It's eventually going to turn hot. So prayer has to be a pillar of a church and a personal life. Last characteristic is... is um, Continuous appreciation. Rarely have I seen Rick Hawkins get in this pulpit and, talk, and not talk about, I don't care if it was Wednesday night, I don't care if it was a special meeting, I don't care if it's Sunday morning. This church is a church that appreciates praise, worship, appreciation. I, I, I rarely heard him or have seen him get in this pulpit and not talk about that. They, 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 the, the church, they, they were constantly, Church of Colossae, they were constantly giving, giving praise to God for all he had done. And our focus needs to be on praise and thanksgiving and that continual appreciation, continual appreciation for what God has done. And this stems from having a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Where are you on these seven characteristics? Where am I? Preparing this, I'm, I'm asking myself as I'm studying this, I'm saying, where am I on these characteristics? It's my prayer that as God develops in this body, this church, whatever he's doing, that we would come to the place when people say, what do you know about that, that community over there on the, on, on the west side of Norman and that, that's, that's on the, the, the um, west side of, of, of I-35? What do you know about that community called Quest Church? That people would say, they have a compelling faith. They have a compassionate love. They have a, a confident hope. They have changed lives. Just go and talk to the, the, the people. I, I was there and, 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 and Jason and Lance and, 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 and Monica and Carrie and Pat and Frankie and, and JC and, 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 and Chief, I, I can name probably every, every person in this room 
that knows Christ personally, I could name you as a changed life. A changed life. Because God looked through all of my faults and my failures and my own opinions. And he saw my need to know him personally. And he loved me unconditionally. Loved me unconditionally. I know they have a confident hope. I know the leaders are committed to servanthood and faithfulness. They are constantly praying. Constantly praying. And I know they continually show appreciation through their praise and through their worship. And last but not least, they're always talking about Jesus. Seven characteristics of a church. We see a model in the first chapter of Colossians on how it's supposed to work, how it should work. But friends, it doesn't work with just Rick Hawkins, or Josh, youth ministry, the hugs ministry, marriage rocks. You know when it works at its best? When you and I are involved with every one of those to say, Lord, I'm not the most talented guy or girl in the, in the world. <laughs> I, I, I don't sing like I don't sing like Aretha Franklin. But Lord, I'm willing to be used. Put me in, coach. Put me in. I'm willing to, I'm willing to be used so the Lord, you would be glorified and people would come to know you in a personal way. Josh, I don't know if you want to come and, 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 uh, and close us. But um, that's my prayer. I hope that's your prayer, that God would use us as we look to a new year of 2023, just in a couple of months, that God would use us in 2023 to blow the socks off, as they say, in leading people to Him.